Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. It's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker, and Harav Nissen with us. As always, what a pleasure and what a schuss. I would like to start with, um, first of all, the number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And what I'd like to do is first read with you an email that I got this week, and this is what I almost call it our family of the radio and our family from the phone line, because there's a person that is not my client, has never been my client, but listens to the programs, I think has even called in once or twice and just sent me a beautiful message of success that they've had through this week. So I'd like to just start with that, as well as we got um, one, one text message, which generally we take the phone line over text, but it's a great message, it's a great question, and we're going to deal with that as well. So let me just read to you first um, the, the email text that we received. Hazairim bedimo berino yiktsairo. And just to touch it, even though everyone knows that we say this all the time, but Hazoyrim Bedima, while we plant Bedima, it's painful and we're crying. And this is what David Amelech is saying. Berino but when you cut, when it's time to get the reap of the, to reap the reward, then Berino, it's with happiness, with singing. So now this is what the person is saying. Hazoyrim Bedima, Berino Plant your seeds and sing its praises. Plant your inner seed, no matter how rusty it may be. Water it. It could be with tears of frustration, confusion, happiness, and all other emotions, no matter what type of seeds is in there. It can go through many storms, turbulence. I feel for you, my brothers and sisters, but we must water these seeds or it will be rusty. Only then sturdy trees form. They may be painful, but the pleasure of success makes it worthwhile. I planted my seed, harvested it. I pulled an event all by ourselves with my husband, to some of you, it sounds easy. Not if you had the obstacles I had in my way. Remember, plant your seed and reap its aroma, because we are all we are all a Malikim. Hatzlacha, and remember, never give up. And I'd like you to know that this is a person that is suffering greatly, or has suffered greatly, and there's a lot of issues going around, family issues, and this person has for the last two years that we're on air, sent me messages, shared how different callers that we've had has a help, helped identify some of their issues. They've taken chizik from this. And the reason why I am sharing this is because it took several years with therapy, plus the chizik, as they call it, the, the group therapy from the phone line, from the radio that we have. And the person has done a tremendous, huge step, and a lot of issues have changed since then. So this level of what they're telling us is any types of, of water will work, of tears, of hard work, and have this, and more than anyone can tell us how difficult it is, you know, when you go through success, when, you, when you're working your way up, people are always about how easy it is and how successful, but it's not. It's hard work. It's Hazoyer and Bedima and Berina Yiktsaira. Again, the number to call in is 718-683-5858. 718 and we're just going to answer this one question before we're going to go to the live callers. Hi, Mr. Weinberger. I'm hoping you have an answer for my question. Several years ago, I did something very wrong, and until this day, I have no peace. No one knows about it, yet I have no peace. What can I do to get rid of the guilt? And let's start with this. Guilt is something that will chip away, that will eat us up one, one second at a time, and each time we think about it, it keeps on just getting us down and sucks out our life. 
what we'd like to realize, what's important for us to realize is that the best way to get the guilt out is to first open up. Share it with someone. If you've done something, at least um, share it with someone, if you could, first of all, a family member. If you can open up to your spouse, if you have a good friend that you could share it with. We've all done things wrong. We've all done things that we regret. That's a fact in the human being. But the more we can open up, the more open we can be. And if you find that you can't open up, ask yourself this question. Is it just this issue that I can't open up, or I've got a lot of secrets in me that I can't open up? And then you might be able to take it deeper. Why am I afraid to open up? Am I afraid that if people would see the real me, if people would know who I really am, they won't like me, they won't accept me? Is that what the fear is? And if that is the case, then let's recognize that it's not just about this one big thing that you've never shared. It's about you have a difficulty opening up to trust, to accept yourself. There might be a perfectionist belief in your family that if people would see your weakness, no one is going to like you. There are a lot of such beliefs going in there. And just for you to be aware, the more secrets we have inside, doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter how much respect anyone will give you, it will not help you and it will eat you up on the inside. What we need is the self-respect. What we need is for us to feel free and open and safe within ourselves. So my advice to you is find someone that you can be open with. If you can't be open with anyone, then at least send it as a text to someone, even anonymous. If you'd like, send it to me, but please make sure that your phone number does not come up. This way it can be a 1,000% private or, or anonymous. But first, get it out. Don't keep it a secret. For others, sometimes I'd suggest first write it down and then burn it. But write it down a couple of times. and Even continue writing down your guilt or the pain you might have caused someone else or the fears that you have because of that. But first, get it out. So I'd like to first compliment you for sending me the message is the first step in going in getting it out there. One of the benefits that I tell clients are, and again, this is to create an awareness, it's not ethical for a therapist to work with friends or with family because part of the goal of therapy is to get you to have you feel safe to get it out and know you don't have to feel embarrassed or regret to the therapist. You'll probably never have to see them again. And that's the point. So if you've got an issue like that coming up, then what I'd like you to realize is Go to a licensed therapist. We're bound by the laws of confidentiality unless chas v'shalom. It's something that is very serious, which we tell you ahead of time what rules, what two cases we need to break confidentiality, basically if it's to harm yourself, to harm others. And that's quite important for you to realize. But other than that, go to a therapist, get it out. We hear everything all day. We deal with it. And if we do a good job, we'll get you to your deep, dark secrets. And... Once you get it out, it's such a change. I want you to realize that I myself go for therapy, and I get out my secrets. And probably in the last year or two, I've, Baruch Hashem, gone, I would even say probably in the last year, I've gone to places where I haven't gone before, and I could see a big change and shift in my life because of that. So what I would tell you is, if you can't trust anyone yet, you're still at those first beginner steps, write it down, shred it, rip it, burn it. But write it down several times, and Merit Hashem, you'll see a big change on that. Harav Nissen, let's go to our callers. Yeah, Who is okay, the... we have Mrs. B. Mrs. B. Hi, good evening. Hi, good evening. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. First of all, I want to thank you and Harav Nissen for taking everyone's call every week and giving away so much of your precious time that I'm sure in such a way you'd rather be home with your family than have a warm supper, and you're giving away so selflessly to people, to Eden, to create awareness and to help others. That's unbelievable. Thank you so much. 
And what you just said about um, opening up, that's very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. I wish I'd have it on tape. It's it's amazing what you just said, and it's so, so true. Um, Now to my question. Um, I have a daughter who's a big, big perfectionist, and I kind of feel now, I can't use the word guilt, (laughs) but I kind of feel like I encourage this behavior. How old? Let's let's first get an age. How old is your daughter? She's turning nine. I can hear you. I hear you very, very... um, very Not low. Fair enough. Um, she's turning nine next week. She's going to be okay. nine, and she is a huge perfectionist. And I kind of feel like I, kind of, she was probably born with this nature, but I like um, praised her for perfection, for, for for like perfect work, and I encouraged her perfect work. And I feel like I'm kind of to blame. How can I undo what I did all these years? Is there any way well, to undo hold that? Hold on. Before we go to the blame of your daughter, let's first take it to you. Are you still a perfectionist? No, actually, I'm very proud to say that I have, have changed tremendously. If someone would tell me two years ago that I can go to bed in the way I went to bed yesterday, I I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't think it could happen, and I really did. I I learned to let go and to, am I 100% okay with it? No. Can you please share with me an example? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I'm so sorry. Okay, can you share with me an example where you let go? Um, Like last night, my house was... I had dishes in the sink. My table wasn't, like, all the way like I would want it to be, and I just needed to go to bed. I was tired, and I knew that it's just too bad, and I left it. Was I happy? No. And, like, two years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do that, and that's a tremendous step for me. Now let's go to the next step. Now let's go to the next step. So the first step is you're able to let go. Right. Now the next step is you've got to let go on the inside. So remember, you, if you will tell you, teach your daughter to let go on the outside, it's a step, and it's a big step. And I'm going to show you how to explain it to her and how to teach her how to start letting go. However, what I'd like you to recognize is the inside is where the real message comes from. Right. It means if you're inside thinking, I'm such a failure that I didn't clean up, but at least I'm not cleaning up, that's definitely a step but it's still going to give her the message, the inside feelings, I'm tense and I'm nervous. Right. What we'd like you to start focusing on, Merit Hashem, actually this week has been a huge amount of bumps on my part because of working on the... Um, it's because... Sorry, just uh, getting messages over here. Um, it's because of the tuning in this, the, with a book coming out, Merit Hashem, if you can recognize that it's going to be part of the book, and that's about mistakes and letting things over for the next day is just part of the brie. It's part of nature. There's never enough time to complete everything. Right. If we can recognize that making mistakes is not only an okay process, it's called being human, it's actually what enhances us. And the amount of inventions that were discovered through mistakes is the positives. And the more a person makes mistakes, you'll find that person is a lot more successful in every area of their lives. They can take more tasks upon themselves. They can grow. They can experience more. So you've mastered step one, which is great that you're able to leave the dishes and the house a mess. The next step that we'd like you to master is to actually letting go. That the house is a mess. Can you expect that have a woman to feel like she left everything a mess and go to bed and that should be okay? I think you misunderstood me. I think you've misunderstood me. Let me say that again. I expect a woman, a healthy woman, to say, I'm leaving things over to leave a mess, and it's amazing. This is a sign of success. (laughs) 
Uh-huh. Do you understand? You said it's okay. I don't consider okay good. I consider okay still a perfectionist. And the person says I left the mess and it's okay. Then I still I still find them a very stressful life. <laughs> if the person could go to sleep saying yes. There is such a mess going on, and it's fantastic. And now let me clarify the rest of it. Because my kids went to sleep smiling, because I was able to be calm, because I chose to study with my kids instead of having a clean room. I chose to have the kids smile for Purim and to be relaxed for Pesach is coming up now. Instead of being worried, yes, there's a mess out there, but the kids are happy and smiling. That is a success. Understand, look at your nine-year-old daughter. That is what she is. Just you've learned how to fake, and I don't want to use the word fake, but how to cover up on the outside, but inside it's still a wreck. Right. And I'm not just talking about you. This is our society today, including right. me. You know, and if, you know, sometimes people say including me, they don't mean themselves. No, no, this is including me. <laughs> I was supposed to be on vacation. I was actually supposed to go from Sunday till Wednesday on vacation. I had to cancel the trip because of certain projects that I feel need to get done now. And I was not letting go. So I had to ask myself, am I being a perfectionist and not letting go? Or am I actually saying this is an appropriate right decision? And what I do, am I going to be able to sleep peacefully and calmly? This is something I have to do continuously, especially by me. I've got like three or four generations that I could track on all sides of my family, perfectionists. So I can relate to that, and I can relate to where you're coming from. So when I'm saying it, I'm saying it as a fellow as a fellow brother and sister in that struggle. But I'd like you to realize the more you let go inside, the more your kids won't have to feel a perfectionist. Right. Now, how do I we feel like I can work on myself, but I feel like I've, I, I kind of like made her to be what she is by praising her. Yeah, well, like by you telling and her, like when made she was her by whatever we are. What we are is where we Not are. Not only by what we are, but when she was five years old and I told her, don't put away the toys unless it's perfect, I was okay. doing this to her. Great. So and how so can I undo what? that? Well, let me ask you something. There's a concept I've heard for a couple times at a share from different Rabbanim. If Hashem wanted us to get it right, we would have been born at 120 and then work our way down. <laughs> We're born without knowing. What did you learn from this nine-year-old, from having, she's, I'm assuming she's your oldest. Yeah, she's my oldest. So what did you learn about the next one coming up? How are you treating the next one that's five years <laughs> So now old? I've changed by listening to your lectures and by listening weekly. I go to bed early every single day, and Mondays yeah. I stay up till 10 just to listen to your thing. It's unbelievable. I learned so Thank much. You. I learned tremendously. Thank you. So and now, I how see are you treating this five-year-old? What is it? So how are you treating now your next five-year-old? So now, um, so now I'm more careful. I never ever tell her put it back unless it don't put it back unless it's perfect. And I'll never tell my husband in front of my kids. Never mind. I want to like I'll do it. Don't I? I want to put it back. I stopped saying that. You know. I yeah. I learned. And do you to, let them put it back messy and confusing? No, I say don't do it. I'll do it. <laughs> ah no! Now that's part of your part of your lesson is to let things go the way they are. Well, I'm trying, but I can't do it on all ends. I can't, like, just do a 360-degree turn. I'm, like, slowly. I'm really, really, really learning slowly, but I really changed. I could really say that I changed. Excellent. So now, what is your question? My question is, how can I undo what I did to my daughter? By making and her do things it. perfectly, and she won't do her room, because if it's not perfect and it takes too long, then she'd rather not start. 
And even if I and tell now, her it doesn't have to be on. perfect, what she we knows do is, that. So now we, okay, so now how we teach her is by, by behavior, by teaching her and by sharing of your own. Let me share. Let's say her name is Malki. Malki, let me show you what I did last night. Last night I went to sleep, and I left the sink, and I left this and that there. You'll start sharing stories where you're letting go and how you're calmer and happy. You can even share with her. I could imagine how tense it must be. If you're doing something, if it has to be perfect, don't you get nervous before? Don't you get nervous all day thinking about it? Don't you think about, hey, there's a test, and now I have to study an hour, and it's going to take me three hours to study for that test, when really it should only take a half hour? And she'll go, yeah, and you can start telling her that's not how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You can start sharing live examples of you and making her aware of how there's that stress and how there's that anxiety. Mm-hmm. That is the first steps on how to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. I'll try. Excellent. I'll definitely do it. I'll start, start right now. Awesome. And the awareness <laughs> is the is the is the is the number one step to change. Right. Yeah. Right, so thank you so much. I think it's really, not I think, I'm sure, it's really all your credit. It really, really is. I wow. listen to your weekly lectures and to your um, recorded lectures. Unbelievable. I listened on anger and forgiveness, which really helped me, and on self-esteem. It's thank unbelievable, you. really. Thank May you. May Hashem help you continue to help others. Amen, amen, amen. amen. And I want you to know, the more you share about breaking the perfectionist, because I always say there are two main diagnoses that I would say that cause cholesterol or a tremendous amount of pain. And the number one diagnosis that I would say that is really the cause for almost all diagnosable issues in the, for, in the, in the from people is perfectionist. I find it leads to depression. I find it leads tremendous to anxiety, tr- a lot to OCD. Um, a lot right. of what we call almost like a nervous breakdown, a tremendous amount of people going off the derech. The, the perfectionist, if I would have to give one, one issue that I see that I almost work with every single client, it's that issue. It takes away the peacefulness, takes away the fights. There's such machlek is going on all around this perfectionist concept. Right. Yeah. Well, so thank you. Them. Thank you. You're changing one person at a time slowly. So That's thank it. you for that. Just trying the awareness, and and this such siyata the I thank the Rebbeinu Shlom. I always daven for that. And right. yeah, wow. Thank you just so much. I appreciate you're, it. You're welcome. Certainly. Have a great night. Miss H. Excellent. Have a good night. Great. Miss H. Arav Nissen, who do we have next? Miss H. Miss H. You're on Miss. with Mordechai and Arav Nissen. Arav Nissen, what would you like to say about the perfectionist one, by the way? We talk about so many times, so many things, you know, that uh, we have to get rid of this. <laughs> okay, excellent. <laughs> you know, we have to get rid of this, you know. It's, uh, we are not, uh, as we say, look at your face. Look, if Akadosh Bohu wants to be perfect, the, both sides, left and right, will be equal. But look at the mirror. You see, it's not equal. Akadosh yeah. Bohu wants us to see that it's not perfect. Yeah. Okay, excellent. so Miss H. Mrs. H, you're on with Mordechai and Nisim. Hello, me? Yes. Um, I'd like if you call me Miss H. Miss H. Thanks. Um, thank you for your live radio call, um, conference. Sure. And this is my question. Um, yeah. A few years ago, I went to a social worker, and... Mm-hmm. I feel like it ruined my life. How could I let go of the feeling that it ruined my life? Like, I just well, feel like... Le- 
let's clarify a second. How did a social worker ruin your It ruined my self-esteem. I How did it ruin really your like, self-esteem? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's just like, it's me. I feel like I'm a totally changed person, but in the bad way. So you feel going to therapy made you worse? Yeah. How? What was your issues before therapy that going to therapy made it worse? I was now, by the way, if you bullying. don't want to share with it, or if it's too personal, you can say that. You don't have to go further. Um, I'm fine. Good. Okay. So, so mm-hmm. I was subject to a lot of bullying before that. Mm-hmm. And the bullying stopped, but they accused me of being the fault for the bullying that went on to my end. So let me understand this. You, okay, when did you go? So you were, you're in a class, they accused you of bullying. No, they accused me that it's my fault that other people bullied me. Uh-huh. So they now that sounds therapy. a little interesting. How can someone what? be accused? Can you tell me what you did that you were accused? Like, how can they accuse someone of being bullying? When I can understand, when I tell parents, or when we share many times the concept of bullying, we say if someone doesn't have a self-confidence, many times they're likely to be a victim. Or if, they've, or if they sometimes would make stupid comments, or they sometimes would challenge a leader, then they open themselves up to be bullied. But you don't make someone bully you. What were your behaviors that they said were causing bullies to bully you? Um, I guess I really had a very low self-confidence, but now I feel like I even have even a smaller amount. Okay, so let's understand. So you had a low self-confidence, and then you went to a social worker to help you out with bullying. To help me out with how to cope with it, and also how to build my self-confidence. Excellent. So you went to, that sounds fantastic. Now, how did that affect you for the negative? Because then when it was... I was a social worker during school hours. Yeah. So when I came back into class, everyone knew where I'm coming from. So they yeah. just started, like, making fun of me, and, like, it was just, like, a disgusting situation. Mm-hmm. And what did the school do? What did the teachers do about it? Did you bring it up with a social worker that every time I get pulled out, people know why I'm being pulled out and things like that? Yeah, we tried keeping it a bit more confidential. Uh-huh. But everyone already knew, so it was like, like, what are you trying to hide? Yeah. And then it just, it just led to worse and worse, and last year it wasn't so bad, but this year it became worse. How many years are you going to this therapist? No, it was, um, it was quite a few years ago, and I just can't let go. Ah, now, let me ask you a question. So first, let's take your question, and let's understand what, what the issue is. Your issue is, and I get that a tremendous amount with boys, since I work primarily with, with men, is that they went for a tutor in a certain year. They were pulled out of class. You have that now in schools where you start having, where people are going, we have all the help, speech, and occupational therapy, and physical therapy, and all right. these are coming to the schools, and then people are saying, I'm different. Now, let's make the matter even worse. 
Imagine someone who's got a self-confidence issue, which means they already feel everyone looks at them. They don't feel value on the inside, so their only way to feel good, or from the only ways that a person with a lack of self-confidence feels good, is if I'm perfect and if no one looks at me. So therefore, these people with low self-esteem will never want to ask questions, will never be outgoing, won't take risks. So now, when you need to help them, and they've got to take a risk, and they've got to be noticed, and people will make comments to them. Now you're in a catch-22. What do you do? Do you help them? But in order to help them, there will be pain. Or do you just leave it the way it is, because this way they won't go through more pain, but they'll stay that way forever? What would you suggest to be done? Say it again. A therapist, whenever we're going to do therapy, we're stuck in a catch-22. It means you're, you're stuck in a, in a loop. Whatever you do won't be good. If you're going to go for therapy, some friends might know, some people might know, which will hurt you. So maybe mm-hmm. don't do that. On the other hand, if you won't go for therapy, it will never change. What do you think, what, what do you, think you should do then? Um, I don't know why I would do it. <laughs> no, I, I just want you to understand the problem. These right. are questions we have all the time. Well, Parents have that all well, the time. Well, well. Should I send my kid to a therapist? If I send them to a therapist, they'll see that there's a problem. But if I don't send them to a therapist, they won't get better. Mm-hmm. Now let me ask you the next question. How secretive is your family that everything is a secret? Very much. Exactly. Yeah. And here's where I wanted to go to the core, which I smelled right away. Your issue has nothing to do with the therapist, or very little. Your issue is that you're used to keeping secrets, and if people know your secrets, then you feel hurt. Right. And here, going to a therapist is a little confidential because you feel like there's a problem with me, which that stigma is changing tremendously, and I thank Harav Nissen, and I thank the Rabbi Nishlam tremendous for letting this program be one of the huge programs that are breaking the stigma of therapy. And the fact that you could call in is amazing. I'd like you to recognize that. You're someone that's private. You're someone that keeps these things a secret, and here you're sharing it. That's huge, tremendous. Yeah, and you're going to notice that the more you can let the secret out, the more alive you are, the healthier you are. Yeah, I notice it. <laughs> yeah. So now let's help you understand it. Can we look at your experience? It's called reframing. Let's reframe. Let's look, and this is a cognitive tool. Can you mm-hmm. look at this differently? And this is usually what I tell my clients, because many times clients tell me, especially at the Bachram, because my hours are really daytime hours because I live in Lakewood. So I need to travel in one way and then the other way. So I, I don't, like, I can't work evening times when any times Bachram or, or, or let's say some of the students would like. And I give them this option. And part of what I teach them is about health, about confidences. Anyone that is going to do an action, any action, you're going to get comments. You could either admit you're going to a therapist, you can say you're going to a therapist, or you could just say, I went anywhere. Now, when you're going to have those people make comments to you, oh, you're going to the therapist, well, they'll make fun of everyone. Oh, you're the tall one, oh, you're the short one. Oh, you're the skinny one, oh, you're the fat one. You're the blonde-haired one, you're the black-haired one. Your eyebrows are a little bigger, your eyebrows are a little smaller. It's amazing what comments people will make. And when we work on the confidence, it's how can you be comfortable with everyone making comments to you? So let me ask you that question now. Imagine you're that girl five years ago, and you're coming into me, 
And on the therapist, you're going, do you know something? I really want to stop going to therapy because girls are making fun of me. Okay? Can you tell me that question? Let's give you, like, if you would have been my client, what I would have done. Um, so I should say it? Yeah. Um, I really want to stop going to therapy because girls really make fun of me. That's right. And let me even tell you a step further. Girls might even make fun of you now for the next couple of years. So it really makes sense for you to stop. But let me ask you something else. If we stop therapy, do you think the girls will stop making fun of you? Um, no. No. Not They're going to find something else. Your handwriting is a mess. You're always the teacher's pet. You're the quiet one. You're this, you're that, correct? Right. So how about I tell you if Hashem is letting me be the right shliach, in about six months of work, let's say, that we'll be doing every single week or whatever the therapy is, there will be such changes in you that people are going to forget about the fact that you're going to therapy and they'll be talking about your successes. Wow, she's so smart. Wow, she just got a better mark. Wow, she's heading, she's in the play, she's in the skit. People are going to talk about whatever you do. So if today it's about therapy and it might bother you for four months that they're teasing you, but remember they're going to tease you anyhow. But leaders learn to give people what to talk about. So I give you a choice. Would you like to continue therapy? Um, like, like back then? Yeah. I would like to, but I wasn't, giving the, I wasn't given the skills to cope with the fact that the girls were making fun of me. Because Let's go ahead. Let's therapy. go give you those skills now. When someone is going to make fun of you about therapy, let's start with some of the skills. Number one is you never respond to that comment. Number I, two. I learned that. <laughs> what? I learned that over time. Excellent. Number two, they want to tell you hello or they're interested in being your friend. So ask them, hi, do you want to go somewhere? Can we go for pizza after? Do you want to do homework together? Right. They're opening up a door. Any attack is an opening door for success. Well, that's new. Yes, and we have that several times in the program. Whenever people attack you, it's because they want to connect. The question is if you want to connect to them. Well, most times I really don't want to connect with these bullies. So. Excellent, so then you don't. Step number three, what to do when there are bullies that make comments is, you start creating your own friends, and these are the common, and I've got an entire program on bullying where this is really goes in there, and, you know, on the section one on the phone line, on the serum, and, and that is that you make your own two or three friends. So think about it. If, we, if you were my client, I'd ask you, which two friends can you have with you or that will protect you if the bullies come over? Because bullies never deal with groups, very rarely. The minute they see that someone that has two or three people, they drop it. They usually go over the easy prey. They don't want to get hurt. They have a weak self-esteem. They right. only pick on the ones that either challenge them or that are easy prey that they could just take advantage of. Mm -hmm. Could you think of two or three friends that you might have gone over to and say, you know, these two girls are always bothering me. They tell me, here, I go to a therapist, and they make fun of my hair, and then they make fun of my this or my marks. Mm -hmm. Could you help me out? What do you think those two yeah. girls would have said? What? Could you think of two girls that would have helped you, that you would have asked yeah. for help? Uh-huh. Good. And imagine you tell them, when these girls are going to make fun of me, I'll just, like, look at you, 
and you guys come next to me and say, like, hey, what do you want from her? What do you think would have happened then? Um, they would leave me go. Say that again? What would happen? Ask the question again? What would happen if you would now have two more friends with you? Do you think those bullies would still be messing with you or making comments to you? No. Actually, now they do not. Exactly. So now, if if you would have been my client and I would have told you, I know it's painful when you come here, they're teasing you, but how about we go through that pain and you'll learn how to grow out of it and deal with bullies forever and ever? Right. So now, do you still feel that pain in your heart that that girls made fun of you at that time? No. Isn't that? Now, let, let's recognize that. And this is an amazing concept that people, I'd like people to understand. You had a pain in the past. We gave you tools in the present. We discussed present time tools that you could have done in the past, and you feel so much easier. Why? And this is for information purposes, just to create an awareness. Then you, you already know what, like, how to deal with it further. Exactly. Which means whenever we have a pain of the past, it's never the past that's the issue. It's that we still feel vulnerable in the present now and concerned of the future. Once we give you tools for the past, which means you have now tools for the present and for the future, you could now let go of the past. So every time we got something eating us up and something that's like sucking our energy and we're afraid of the past, it's never the past. We're really afraid of now and of the future. What happens if it would happen again, we will not have the real tools, the real solutions. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And I appreciate how brave you are, really, really how brave you are to call in because someone that was afraid to, and that like the family patterns are to keep things in and to go out, that's amazing. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. And the number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Yeah. Listen, uh, the phone line is jammed and the phone oh. and everything is uh, so right now. And I want to just to remind our listeners that to listen, I know that uh, the, the, all the listen life now are jammed. And so try other numbers. The other number is 712-432-4217, or 718-506-9099, 718 or or Jerry's Radio Pro, because, you know, the phone lines crashed, the other phone line crashed. So, okay, so we have right now uh, Miss M. Miss M. Mrs. M. Mrs. Yeah, hello. M, you're on with Mordechai and Herav Nissim. Hello. Yes. Hi. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. I called a few times and you really helped me out. Um, I have a question about my 10-year-old daughter. Sure. Um, can I know her? She's a good student. And she's, um, she, she's, I would say, a model of the class. And um, one day she forgot to take her books from the locker. So her teacher told her that 
she she has to um, sit with folded hands, and tomorrow recess, she has to do the work. So tomorrow recess, the class went to the roof, and she she didn't she didn't get recess. And the next day, I I called her up and I told her, listen, my daughter's a model model student. Nobody's perfect. Only Chazbach is perfect. Just like the caller that called before, she said that she has a problem with being perfect. Nobody's perfect. Only Hashem is perfect. So my daughter has, so she forgot. She was a responsible one once. So she still said that she had to punish her because she had to show the class that if you're not responsible, that's what happens. But I believe very much in positive, only positive, positive. And since negative doesn't work with my kids, of course she forgot the next day again. And then the next day she she forgot her scissors at home. And the teacher told her again she can't do anything because she doesn't have her scissors and she has to sit with folded hands and she has to do it at home. I don't understand why the teacher didn't tell the students who I mean, to do chesed, whoever has an extra scissor, but she punished her again. And I came to PTA and I tried to explain to her that by me negative doesn't work. You see, it's just a whole chain. And then the next day she forgot her octac and she came home crying that she's not responsible. She forgot, she forgot. Tried to explain to the teacher that negative doesn't work by me. If you would have told my daughter if she'll get a plus five on a test if she brings all the supplies for the whole month, you would have seen she would have made a big effort to try to um, to try to try to make sure she she has all the supplies. But I don't know. She I guess she's a young girl and she says, "Listen, she has to learn how to be responsible." And this is the way I teach her. And that okay. was the end so of it. So, what's your question? My question is, if somebody is uh, is is a model student, she's perfect in every way, and she, by mistake, not responsible. Do you have to be so harsh with a child? Can't you just let her get her books the first time, let her go? Ah, so now what you would like is, you have she a look certain away. nature, and you have, a cert- you have a certain nature, and you have a certain understanding, and your understanding works with your children that you raised from a young age, and that system works. Now, what happens if we're in this world and there are about 7 billion different systems? So you've got to get the consequences. No. What I would say is I would like to actually teach your daughter how to say you see the benefits of our system, and that's why I do the system. Now, mm-hmm. there are other systems out there. They work. They work for certain natures better and they even don't work for certain natures, just like your system might not work for a more assertive type nature. There are some kids, some natures, which their brain is create where they need direct talking. You will do this, you won't do that. And that's the only language that they understand. And for them, your gentle way of positive won't work. Right. So the teacher seems to have one system that works for her when you need to manage 20 or 30 girls. Right. And her system is clashing with your system. Right. Now what I would actually help your daughter is to understand how can you learn to survive in different systems? Because imagine you marry her off to the most amazing, wonderful boy out there, and then there's a tough sister-in-law. Hmm. Or there's a tough mother-in-law, father-in-law. Or there's a tough grandmother. Right. I hear this all the time where clients come in, they're falling apart because they married into a family that's tough somewhere, 
And now they can't survive because we didn't give them the vaccination. We didn't vaccinate them how to deal with the polio. We didn't prepare the body how to go deal with the measles. Now, I'm not getting into the whole complicated issue that's going on. Do you have to vaccinate your kids or not? I'm not going there at all. But where I am going to is the concept of what's vaccination. And we want your daughter to learn, okay, so with this good teacher, since she is so strict, how can you stay calm and focused and maybe make a list of items? What are items that I need? What are we missing? And let's be prepared. And yes, so that's make what I'm doing now. Every night I make sure I ask, do you have all your supplies? Because yeah, but you're old, her your daughter's old enough. It. We want her to ask you that. Right. We don't want you to be worried for her. We want her to learn to be concerned for herself. Right. right. I have another question. Also, yesterday I went to PTA. So um, I, I told my daughter that I teach my kids that they should try to be friends with girls that don't have friends. Sure. Since, um, since, since she's well-liked in the class, I figured let her be, a, be friends with the girl that's not, well, that's not well-liked. Automatically, once she'll be her friend, then automatically I think she would get friends too. So I went to PTA, and the teacher tells me, oh, my daughter has such good midas, like she's friends with this and this girl. So I wanted to tell her, but I didn't. I wanted to say, so what's wrong? I mean, I don't understand what's wrong of being nice and, and being friends with someone that doesn't have any friends. Yes, yes. In fact, this generation, it's sad to see that when people are in shul and the younger generation doesn't stand up, but that's something, if we discuss it, it will. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to tell the teacher, maybe that girl should thank my daughter, that my daughter's her friend. That's I mean, right. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Like I, I was like shocked. Like what? Like I think it's only nice. I think people should be friends with people that don't have friends. Why not? Exactly. And I believe that it should be part of the curriculums, and we should be teaching teachers how to help that to happen. Because teacher, there's a training way to make it happen to be friends with everyone. Sure. Hmm. All right, thanks a lot for your help. You're very welcome. Sure. All right. Atzlacha. Amen. Yosef. Yes. And let's see. Who's next? Yosef. 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 Oh, Mordechai and Nissim. Yeah, hi. My name is Yosef. Yeah. Oh, well, Yosef. Uh, first of all, thank you very, 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 very much for all you do for God's quality. So, for me, uh, you do a lot of called them many, many times, but yeah. you helped me so, so, so much, and I'm sure you helped many others, like we already heard from two or three listeners tonight. Yeah, thank um, you. Uh, I want to ask you two questions. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, let's start with one. Um, let's do one, because we got a lot of people on, so pick yeah. the next one. Um, I want to ask you, uh, how do you, how do you deal with frustration? Now, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very extreme. I'm either, I'm one of those guys that on one part of me, I'm like this nice guy, very big rockman. As a matter of fact, I had that problem as a younger kid that I was being bullied so much because I was such a nice kid who wouldn't hurt a fly. And... And therefore, people took advantage of me. I was a little kid. We moved to Israel, whatever. So I was bullied a lot. 
on the other hand, I got in me that that thing. So I'm not bullied today, but when I do get frustrated at somebody, I can go very, very to the extreme. And my frustration is another problem, which I have a big problem with frustration. Yeah. How do I deal with it? Both of them. Well, the first step in dealing with frustration is acknowledging that we're frustrated and why and where. So can you give me an example where you get frustrated now? Um, I get frustrated. Uh, Baruch Hashem, I'm the oldest of 12 kids. Can I inhara, Baruch Hashem? We're inhara, and I am 20 years old, so I am a little embarrassed a little to start saying Bam because... It's Amayla. Um, my I, 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 sometimes when I, when I don't, when I realize that I'm not, people in the family are not, uh, answering me, uh, answering me when I call, I can call all at the time of the day that they tell me to my mother and my parents, and I can, and I can get frustrated. That's a typical thing. Then I can have further things where siblings could could disturb me. I'm I'm a very uh, I'm, I'm more my I'm, a, I'm a, I get I get I get very nervous and very sometimes it can be a little lightly. So people tell me a lot of times it can be dangerous for further life, and I realize that. But I know, I but go into detail. When quickly. do you get frustrated? Like, what happens that you get frustrated? You try to it, buy a soda, it, and also you lost the money in the soda machine? What no, that's not going to get me frustrated. It gets me frustrated. Uh, somebody could chap at me, but but the problem here is that even if uh, I'm 20 years old and a 13-year-old kid could chap at me, and I can, and I can get frustrated. I'm like, I feel, on one hand of me, I realize that I'm completely... Insane for getting frustrated at a thirteen-year-old chapping me. I'm, I'm all the kids. Let's help you identify the triggers, which means when a dog barks, you bark back. That's basically it. Wait, when a dog barks, do you bark back at the dog? Oh, uh, actual dog, no. Exactly. What we want you to realize is to recognize that it's not the age of the person that they're doing it. It's the words. It's those weak spots. They might call you stupid. They might call you smart. They might call you tall. They might call you short. If we feel we have a problem in that, so for example, I've even had someone, for example, I worked on where he was very tall, and when people would tease him and call him shorty, it would embarrass him because he felt the way people are talking about how tall he is. So now, generally in the world, being tall is a good thing. But when everyone calls you on that, oh, you're tall. How tall are you? What's going on with your height? And it's a trigger. And once you're able to get over that, again, saying, okay, people don't mean to attack me. They just mean to be them. Then it's different. Uh, yeah, so, that's the, so if you can that's write the... down the 5, 10, 15 triggers that people are triggering you, and then start coming up with solutions. So if someone calls me this, it could even be a six-year-old kid, but if they're going to use those words, and usually, call, with usually calling me a name won't hit my trigger, but 
I don't have that problem that I get triggered by calling me a name. Yeah. Now you're going to start coming up. So give me five solutions that when someone calls you that name, it won't trigger you. No, I I don't have that issue. I don't get triggered by calling me a name. But there's got to be some trigger. You said even for 13 year old Right, right. I'm saying your kid should chaper me, like your sibling could try to chaper me, go touch my stuff purposely. Or stuff like that. So like, now, so they you don't write down it. those triggers. So you write down the trigger someone touches my stuff. You're going to write down each of these triggers, whatever they are, whatever trigger. Now you're going to come up with solutions. So if a sibling touches my stuff, how will I react now? Or what can I do to change my reaction? Then you're going to see how they're going to stop doing that. People do and it that for a trigger. Of course, that's the anger is the next step. I can't get it to stop. You react, and the more you react on that level, the more you respond in that negative way, it gives them, it's gasoline on the fire that for a second it goes down. You know, when you pour gasoline, the liquid makes the fire go down for a second, but then it flames it and it shoots it up. You know, my anger could come, sometimes come without wariness, without, without people chepping me, but it could be, come from other stuff too. Yeah. It still has to do. Yes, yes, and you can write down each of those triggers, and you'll see huge changes. I hear. Thank you yes. very, very, very much. I want to ask you one other thing. Is I'll there a way of we got a lot of people, right? We Miss, said we'll pick the, two, Miss, the biggest Mrs. one. Miss, All right? Mrs. M. I just want to know, is there a way of tre- uh, reaching you? Um, unfortunately, not really. It's only in my private practice, and right now it's, like, really close. So, like, that's why, if you know, in history, I think I've only announced my number twice, and both were by mistake. So I can't call, I can't call right now. Unless right, right. Unfortunately, it's it's not possible right now. Okay, Mrs. Mrs. M, M, on with Mordechai. Yes, hi, it's me. Yes. Okay. Um, you read this poem on your phone line. Now here on the radio to them about this. Um, on success about all Yes, time. with the tears, with the tears, and any yes. type of water keeps um, our tree growing. I, yes. I know why I got, um, like, triggered by it. I'm not sure if, what do you refer to by saying overcoming a battle? Like, are you referring to just destroying a challenge, sometimes I think, like, I'm missing out a concept, or it's just, like, this, um, another type of expression, like a person comes out of understanding, like he grows and he, in some areas, or like I just needed that explanation. Sure, fantastic. So let's clarify how actually why emotional therapy sometimes can t- be a lot longer than a physical ailment. Let's take the example of strep throat. Someone has a strep throat, you take medication for 10 days on average, if the were zeichel, it's just a simple thing, and antibiotics helps and it's gone. You want to go to more the natural path, you take natural stuff, it takes a little bit longer, that's natural stuff, but it works and it's taken care of. What happens in the emotional area is something a little bit different. And those that do emotional, those that I should say do more um, the natural path, you're going to realize that in the natural view of healing the body, they don't just deal with the symptom, they're going to the cause. What's happening that your body was not able to fight those, this illness? And they might work on your immune system, they might work on stress, 
they might work on not sleeping enough, not eating healthy enough. So therefore, when you're building your body up, it takes a while to get there. And while antibiotics might deal with that pain or the body is deficient and it helps your body fight the, the illness, it doesn't build up your body. Now, when we've got, I would like to use this muscle and take it to the emotional world. When someone comes to, let's say, to a therapist with a question, it's not a question that's the issue. Take, for an example, that girl that she said when she went to the therapist that she was bullied. She was missing several yesitis there, and we're trying to heal the core. Core number one is you don't have to have secrets. Core number two is you're allowed to seek out for advice. Core number three is you're allowed to share with a therapist how painful it is even going for therapy. Core number four is you're allowed to stop being, people will attack you, people might attack you, you're allowed to get strong enough, sort of as we had before that caller with her mother, with her daughter, with her teacher. Yes, there will be difficult or stronger natures. How can you start developing your antibodies to be able to, when you get that personality, as we call vaccination, how to deal with them? A core number five that we would need, that we would teach people is you're not going to have the whole world like you, so you're not going to go look for that. You're going to start building your core friends. Core number six, for an example, that we would work with someone like that is how do you deal with it when you get down? Because sometimes people's words will affect you. Like we had Yosef that said that people trigger you. Now, how do you deal with when you actually get triggered? And then you get the tools. So when this person, since I share, this person has probably gotten to know me and texts me many times through the, through the phone line and through the radio, that they listen to the programs, and I don't have time to speak. I've never spoken to this person once. I think actually they've told me that they've called in once or twice to the radio, but that's how it is. And this person had many, many difficulties, many different places holding them back. And I'm not going to share what they are because I um, want to keep it confidential. But they've just hit a milestone in the last two weeks of years of build-up, years of listening, years of integrating a lot of information from different places. And once they built the entire thing up, they were now able to have one major monumental story or happening. And again, it's not a representation of a one-time thing. This is now a representation of their new strength. This is a representation. So you're trying to say that when you say re, um, overcoming a battle, you're in general, you're talking about after months and years of, of working, the task comes, the, the, yes, the integration and comes. they have it with them now for life because it took them that long to build it up. Uh-huh. So let's take one more example because I feel it's such an important question to help the awareness. Imagine someone wants to lift weights of 100 pounds or 150 pounds. But all they could lift is 40 pounds. Now everyone around them is lifting 100 pounds or 120, but they want to get to 150. They got to start lifting 30 and get good at that, then to 35, then to 40. Meanwhile, everyone is doing better, and sometimes those people will bump into you in the gym and knock you over. Now will you stay down and fall down and cry, or will you continue growing? Then finally now, they've gotten ahead. So let's say everyone's bench pressing 130 pounds. They're now doing 135, 140 pounds. And wow, people are noticing. Look how this person now has overcome. But did they finish? Did they stop? Or are they saying, I know my body can handle 150 pounds? That's what this person has done. And that was the message that they were sharing with us all, that just because you're getting 
30 pounds and people are knocking you down. But that what, I, what I liked about their message was that any type of water will water your seed. means the seeds of the water of tears, the water of cold snow, as it was originally re- read today on the phone line. Any type of water, if you keep on getting water, the seed will absorb it even during the winter times, and it will grow beautifully in the summer. So that means natural water, too, like not, not a depressant, is actually doing something. It's just a process of time and the process of in the own emotional journey that everybody yes. has. And yes, but I don't enjoy the word a process of time. Just want to, I, want to phrase, I want to clarify that. The process of time with healthy movement, and sometimes the movement is quietness. But when people sometimes hear the process of time, they think, okay, I don't have to do anything in five years. No, no, no. I thought it was personally about when somebody has a hard time and does not see the clarity, but they know they are on the way and things are, uh, are changing, um, like, are always changing. But on the moment a person has a need to hardship or whatever you call a battle to whatever, and so what did you mean to refer to that, that the person is overcoming the battle, that they are done with the hard time, the hard time is over? Or this milestone or something that this person is feeling already better and then comes the next challenge. Yes. I think you can answer that question. You sound like a very intelligent person. What would you say? I don't know what to say. I'm thinking. (laughs) I'm still thinking. I, the, the way you asked that question, you seem like someone that you, you're, you're, you're aware. You phrased it so clear. I, I am aware. I'm too well aware. I'm too well yeah. aware. I, I, just, I just thought that the way you um, read that letter, that it's like something that maybe can benefit me um, more clarity in my own um, so The clarity so that I would I probably just share is, we got to keep on going when the Rabbeinu Shlomim has us cry in tears instead of saying, Oive, I'm crying and I'm falling down, to say these tears will help my seed grow even though I don't see how and I don't know how. And as she says, like on the phone line, that it could be snow, but snow will then melt and turn to water. And even this water that's cold now, and even though the tree isn't growing during the winter, but it's absorbing all that water, and in the summertime it will grow. Okay, I think so even when a person doesn't relate. know where they're going, but they're somewhere they're going. Like um, That's right. That's yeah. right. And you sound like someone that is moving with the way you're asking the question with the clarity. You, you sound like someone that, that you're, you're aware. You're aware. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. Thanks. Okay. Sure. Hi, Rav Nissen. Who do we Ms. have next? Mrs. A. Mrs. A. You're on with Mordechai and, and Nissen. Hi, me? Yes. Hi. First, I wanted to thank you for everything, for your line and for your program. I must say it's highly addictive. Uh-huh. Thank you. And um, it really benefited me, my friends, my family, and whoever I speak to, I give them the number, and we love it, and we're growing. Thank you. I appreciate you being an ambassador. <laughs> thank you. Um, my question is regarding, uh, someone called in last week, uh, a man about, uh, he's good with a boy, and he found out the boy has internet on his phone. Yeah. And you answered him that he has to decide what he wants his role to be, a therapist or a friend. Sure. Right. So I want to know if that answer could apply to my issue. Um, the issue was that I was talking to a girl. She has uh, quite a few issues, family, things. And then she mentioned By the way, something. I just want to clarify. I feel, let, let's just go over that one thing. 
I didn't ask him to identify if his role is just because someone might be listening now and didn't hear your original, the original question. All right. It wasn't about the Internet and what it is, and should he be a friend or that. The issue was that he's meant to be a big brother, and if he's going to share it, then he's going to lose the trust, and the person will not open up other stuff or will never open up to anyone. Or should he build a trust with this person and get this kid to open up to his parents or to get this kid to stop it? It wasn't about just let it happen, continue. It was can he use his influence in another way to get it or to inform the kid as to how not healthy he is. The question was should he right away tell the parents or should he do some other steps? Okay. And then we clarified the different roles and what will happen in each, the repercussions of each of them. I just feel sure. if someone listening, I just need to do that clarification for the listeners that might be just listening for the first time and not knowing what we're talking right, about. Right, because I'm wondering right. if I didn't make a mistake, but let's, uh, let me tell you what it was. Sure. So this girl was, um, she wasn't home, she wasn't living home, and she got hooked on to someone let's very inappropriate. What is your role, before you're asking me the question, what's your role with this girl? Um, actually, she reached out to me. Wait, what are you? Uh, I guess a friend, but I'm much okay. older than her. Okay, so you're a friend. Okay, good. And um, and then she opened up, and then she, by chance, mentioned that she's uh, you know hanging out with someone very not appropriate. Yeah, and I was like, being private out on the phone line. Yes, I was thinking right. like I was asking people what I should, whatever. Most people were telling me that I have to tell her that um, I have to t- explain to her what she's doing. I mean. Is something wrong? And if she if she continues continues this, then I can't really talk to her because I'm like. That's right. You have a right yeah. to say I don't want to be involved in such right. issues. Right, because I can't. Right. Certainly. So I, I told her to. I would have told her in a very nice way. Since then, she stopped calling me, stopped texting me, whatever. That's not a problem. I want to know if I did something wrong that it's like she totally like backed out. Absolutely not. Let me clarify. Every one of us has our roles. If your role is to be now just her lifeline that she has someone to speak to, then you made a major mistake because she disconnected. If your role is you're just a friend, but she's now going down a different path, and you're not here to just be her cushion or her big sister where she could just talk to and have her safe place, but your role is to help her and that movement's to happen, then you started setting up a boundary. There are many people that, let's just take an example, some addictions, let's call it a drug addict, that to go to a certain treatment center to be six months clean. Not because they don't like the person, not because they don't want the person, but in order to get the benefits of this person, of this treatment center, you need to be clean six months. Your role as a friend with her is, I am here for someone that wants to talk to me and help to move. If you want to just stay there, that's not my... That's not my choice. I have a very similar boundary with my clients. If things are not moving, you cannot remain my client. Either I'm not the right shliach or you're not ready to move, but either way, there has to be movement. I've had a client, several clients recently, that that we've both equally agreed to go off my caseload for that simple reason. Because they weren't moving, they said, I just want to come and unload and fetch. And I said, sure, you could come here and unload. But you've got to unload with the intention of getting better. And this right. person saying, no, 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 I first need a place just to unload. And that is holding, creating space, and that's a great method in therapy. And I actually let that happen. But in this case, I didn't feel that. I felt the person wanted to be able to just sit and fetch. And no one has ever pushed this person to say, you've got to get better. True. 
The problem so is that I'm like, did. I keep on thinking about it. Maybe I could have done something different. Maybe like Maybe she has nobody to talk to. But then you would have be a different role. Then you wouldn't just be her friend. Then your role would be, I am a listener. I'm just someone where she can talk to, and once in a while I give information if she wants to accept it or not. That, right. That's a different so I'm not role. to feel guilty at all, like uh, she's continuing. Oh, no, no, don't uh, shift your responsibilities onto me. I know what you my responsibilities chose, are. You chose your role. No, no, you see, you said you chose a role, and right. I'm saying based on that role, you don't need to feel guilty. Maybe you feel you should also do a different role, and now you have what to feel guilty about. So is there anything I could, like I should run after her or... Uh, uh, you see, you're, you're not even defining your roles. My role now is nothing. Now my role is nothing. You clean for Pesach, and instead of making a cheshbon, hold on, we've got to stop bringing chametz into the house. We've got to know we did this room, and now chametz doesn't go into this room. You're chasing. Should I do this? Should I do that? No, 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 no. You're busy cleaning this room, and the kids walk in with a piece of bread, the two-year-old yeah. with crumbs all over. You have to do it all over again. First define what is your role with this girl. How much can you handle? What do you want to be your role? First, you need to take care and define what is my job here. Now my job is nothing. I'm not talking there. Well, you just asked me, should I go back there or should I do right. this? Wait, wait, but what's your role? Once you know your role, then you can oh. decide if you should go back or not. Oh, I guess, yes. I have to decide what uh, position I want what to take. What do you want to be in this relationship? Do you hmm. want to be the only place where at least she has one place to be open? One place to talk to? That means you might not tell her much. Right. I get it. Each role that you take has a different job and has different set of rules. Sure. All right. Something and to that's about. the point. And in therapy, I continuously need to evaluate what is my role. Sometimes parents want me to get someone married, and I need to go, but what is my role? This person's got a major OCD. They're not ready for marriage yet. The parent doesn't want to hear that. What is my role? Is my role to go get the kid married because that's what the parents want? Or is my role to tell the parents, I'm sorry, that is not my job right now, you can find someone else? Or is my role to work out with a, with a teenager or with a person what to do? Mm-hmm. All right. So, now, what are you walking away? I'm going to think about it, decide what I want my position to be, and according to that, I'll make my decision. Great. Now, can I also give you a little bit of information? Since yeah. there's a lot of halacha things involved, is there any rub that you could contact and ask, what is my role, just for guidance? And what happens if a girl tells me this and this and this? Right. Get a little guidance involved over here. Rabbanim are willing to listen if you ask. Or Rebetzins, speak to, if there's a Rebetzin, ask for guidance. This is a big decision. It could be a life and death for this girl. It could save her entire life, knowing that she has one firm person to talk to. She might be playing you also. And it might be that by you being assertive, she'll go, you know something? I like this friend. I want to be able to talk to her. Okay, I've got to keep on moving. Right. Get guidance. Don't do a decision like this alone. Or find out who in your community works with the teens at risk, like with the kids that have all these issues. Get right. so she's she's very from. I mean, she's trying to be. I don't just... care what she looks on the outside. If it sounds like what you described, she is yeah. not from on the inside. Let's stop judging people on their outside looks. Mm-hmm. I've learned that a very long time. I've got people in my office, and I meet people that they feel safe because they know I'm a therapist. They just pull me aside and tell me, you wouldn't believe this. I'm doing this and this and this. Yeah. 
Let's not call her from or not. From is if you're Shema Torah Mitzvahs. That is from, not what you are dressing. Right. And what she is doing, is that from actions? Um, not at all, but... Um, Good, yeah, no so but. stop okay. that. You've just answered your question. Now, she might be a from girl that has an Asayan in one place. That's a different area. But it doesn't sound like, from my assumptions, what you started saying, what she's doing, it doesn't sound like she is from. Mm-hmm. Does that also change your perception? Um, whatever. I know what the thing is, but I just can't say details. Good. So, so don't it's a different situation. Again, we want to keep your privacy and her privacy, her confidentiality. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. But at least there you, you walked away very, very helpful. information. Do you feel what? a bit more? Yes, definitely. Oh. Excellent. Thank you Great. so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Hiram Nissen, who else do we've got on the line? Miss L. Mrs. Mrs. L. You're on with Mordechai. Miss L. Oh, Miss L. Miss L, you're on with Mordechai and Hiram Nissen. Yes. Me? Yes, you. Oh, hi. So I'm, like, not the shy type of girl. And, um, like, when it comes to, like, when teachers ask questions in class, like, I always raise my hand, but, like, when I answer it, I, like, always blush. And then my friends always, like, well, not my friends, like, my classmates, they always just tease me, like, oh, we answer your question, you always, like, blush, whatever. And now I, like, I barely ever raise my hand. I'm, like, so embarrassed to raise my hand, like. Yeah. Now let's take it a step further. What's your issue with raising your hand? What's your issue with blushing? What's wrong if you blush? Because it's very embarrassing, like, I don't know. And what's wrong if it's embarrassing? Because then kids come to me like, oh, you don't want to answer your question. Yeah, like, so and they'll do red, that, and then what? And they feel like you were so red, it's not funny, like. Yeah, and? Do you know how many comments I get after every program? what I should have said, what I could have said. Most of them are positives. i got to tell you and to all our listeners that when I speak to people, they tell me the negative to the positive ratio is 8 to 20, which means 80-20 rule. They get 80 negative for every 20 positive. I would say over here it's the other way around. Here it's 80-20. I get 80 positives and 20 negative. But I still get them all the time. Yeah, welcome to leadership positions. And if you wouldn't turn red, they'll make fun of you. They'll make another comment. Yeah. No, they just say, like, to tease me. They go, like, oh, you're That's so right. Bad. That's what, You got it. Now, that is people out there. They tease me, too. So I'm supposed to continue raising my hand? Well, first understand that if that is called leadership, if I'm now informing you, anyone, I mean, I, we can have a Rav Nissim now. Let's, Rav Nissim, could you help us out over here? I, I'm trying not to get you. For those of you that don't know, actually, none of you really know, I'm not doing it from the studio. I'm doing it remotely. Things have changed by me that I wasn't able to do it in the studio. So when I do it over the studio, Harav Nissen works like five times harder, and I appreciate all the energy, and I try not to disturb him from balancing everything. (laughs) But Harav Nissen. (laughs) You're 100% right about... uh you know, trying to be concentrated and working with all the texts. You see, you see how long Texas we, text we got. And yeah. it's amazing. This is one of the the really longest uh, texts that we got. And unfortunately, we di- you didn't touch this. You know, I didn't read any of them. I'd like you to uh, know we've gotten such long text messages. That Nissen is forwarding me very, very, very long ones. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's amazing. And I tried to to try <laughs> to uh, what do you call 
to screen them, but it's a, it's a very long uh, text set. So um, uh, uh, the, the issue here with the, this uh, young girl, first of all, she's really leader, you know, and she's really amazing, brave to call. And I don't see that, uh, that she has to stop uh, raising her hand. And exactly. it will be in the beginning, uh, and, uh, and she will feel a little bit uh, uh, reddish again. But eventually, it disappears. And That's right. it's very soon. It's very soon. And I think that uh, the, uh, the much, uh, as much you can uh, do is more raising the hand and let the kids around you. Okay, so what? This is my yeah. nature. This is what my Kadosh Baruch Hu created me. And I have a beautiful, uh, you know, all Panaf Karan is Moshe Rabbeinu just, you know, after he went down, all his face become like, like a light. Everybody look at yeah. him amazed, right? Yeah. So Moshe Rabbeinu stopped talking, Moshe Rabbeinu stopped talking with the Kadosh Baruch Hu, Chas v'chalila. Anybody could, right. people can make fun of him. All your face become like shiny, aura. Right. In fact, I think the Pasuk says they were afraid of him. That's yes. why he had a mask on his face. Yeah. He had like he had a cur- like a cover, a curtain over his face, except when he taught them. Yes. When he taught when he taught us Torah, then then they took it off and then the shine of the Torah and him doing but the rest of the time exactly. But I'm like also embarrassed to like raise my hand and to like and everyone. Now like, let's recognize so let's recognize what happened. This is called a self esteem issue. A self esteem means I have value. And when we have value, that means we stand up and we want to shine. We want to be bright. What happens is other people will make comments. That happens to everyone. Anyone that stands up, look at those girls, any girl that raises a hand, see if they get comments right after by the break. You will see they get comments. What happens is those that are more shy don't realize that. And when they get comments, they go, oh, they get scared. No, this is real. This is reality. Everyone gets it. And Not those that, that are shy. strong enough to continue, able to continue to remain leaders. Those that aren't have bad experiences. I'd use the same thing, the concept with an Askan. I have a friend of mine that he wanted to help out his kahila. And he had a relative, let's say a father. It's not a father, so that's why I'm using that. Let's say his father tells him, don't get involved. You're going to see how burnt you're going to be. Sure enough, about six months into helping, there's this one had a comment about this, and this one had tightness about that. And instead of saying thank you, they had complaints. He goes back to his father to share the difficulty, and the father goes, you see, that's why I told you not to do it. The same thing happened to me. Don't help and no tightness. And this is a friend of mine. We're discussing it. We're saying, well, how about there are more solutions? How about developing a support system of the Askanim that help out in the Kehillah? And that's what they did. They got together. Now, once a month, each one shares what they're doing. Each one shares their hardships. And each one then helps the other one with advice. Oh, I went through. Oh, that guy, he made me, he made that comment. And all of a sudden, three, four Askanim in the Kehillah all said, the same four people that drive each of them crazy that thought that they are the problem. See, it's the same four Nudniks. What I'd like you to recognize is, I know it's hard. I know you're turning red. And I know the, the, the comments are painful. We know that. Any Askan, anyone that is Oisik, Betzar Chetzibur, I'll even take out the word Biamuna. All right, let's take that out. It means they want to help. They're involved helping. Let's even assume they get a benefit for that, even though, because that's not, Be'amunah means with, with honesty, with their, with their heart. doesn't matter if you get paid or not. doesn't matter if you get covered for that or not. 
But let's not get into that right now. Let's say someone is doing it because they want to get paid. But they're standing up to be a leader of a certain group, whatever it should be. They're going to have the pains that you have. Now, I've got a choice for you. Do you want to stop raising your hand and not do anything? Because whenever you'll do anything, that's going to happen? No, because I like to raise my hands. Excellent. So what options do you have now? If you want to raise your hand and you know this is normal, now let's come up with some solutions. What can you do? It's not that I'm shy. It's just like these girls think it doesn't even No, 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 no. Don't, go, don't, go, don't repeat the negative. That wasn't the question now. We're done with that. Now we're going to the next step. What solutions can you do? I could raise my hand, continue raising my hand, and... Good, but now they're going to make fun. What I mean is what solutions can you have when you will raise your hand? They will tell you, oh, you turned red. Ignore it. Ignore is one solution. Give me four more solutions. I don't know. Come on, you can do it. Ignore it. You see, when you only got one tool in your toolbox, it's very painful. How about you tell her, you know, when you make that comment, it embarrasses me. You told me already four times that I turn red. But Why are you doing it again? to answer them back. Oh, so now what would it give you the confidence to answer them back? No, I have the confidence to answer them back, but just making myself into a fool. like. Oh, why are you making yourself into a fool? When you share, you know that it hurts me? Could you make any other comment but that I turn red? You don't have to do public. You don't have to stand up on your desk and say, I want everyone to know that when Malky makes fun of me and I turn red, it bothers me. No, I'm asking you to do that. No, let's say once the kid was telling me, she's like, well, you're so red now. So I'm like, and it was like on Travis, so I was like, Really, you know, you're not supposed to, like, embarrass a person, like, on chat. Yeah, but how about we do it instead of do that, that almost sounds like an attack, right? You know, you shouldn't embarrass them. How would you tell you, you know, when you do that, it really embarrasses me, it hurts me? In a way, they don't feel attacked by that. Maybe. Yeah, that's one, that's the second solution. Let's come up with a third solution. How about to tell her, I know, I really turn red when I raise my hand, and I can still raise my hand. How about a fourth solution? What do you do when you raise your hand that you don't turn red? Get her involved. Have her help you out. And what would she answer me like? Well, I don't know. Maybe it will now be a topic. Ask her. Maybe she'll say, oh, that's why I don't raise my hand even. She might even say she doesn't raise her, raise her hand because of that. Right. And I go, well, so now we have two choices. Maybe we do raise our hands and we let girls make fun of us. We open ourselves up to vulnerability. Or maybe we, we just... You know, or maybe I should be like you not to raise my hand, but I want to raise my hand. Go ahead. Turn it into a discussion. How about some other ideas? Practicing raising your hand more and more. Maybe some confidence builders saying, I'm allowed to turn red. And prepare yourself. I will turn red. Every time I do something new, I will turn red. But I just work on the opposite. I work on, like, let me not turn red, like. I got those. So recognize what we just have. You want to work on it one way, and what I'm giving you is more solutions. I'm not telling you don't deal with it your way. What I'm telling you is when, what happens if you have one solution and that one solution doesn't work? Try the next one. Well, what next one? You don't have a next one. That's why I'm trying to set you up with four or five different plans. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? Yeah. Excellent. 
And we've even missed some tools of speaking with your teacher. What can your teacher maybe help out that you shouldn't turn red? Maybe if she says, what a great question, she builds you up. Maybe if she won't say, oh, wow. Maybe she'll just say, good question, and answer it and move on. If she would say, good question, then I would get even redder. So you would discuss it with her. What can she say that would calm you down? What can your teacher tell you? Um, maybe she could, like, say, I don't, I don't know, because if she says, let's say, like, what hey, hey, Don't tell me what I do. You're going, you see, people are naturally going, what won't work. I'm trying to push you to start thinking what will work. I don't know. I'm purposely pushing you, and this is what you do in sessions, coming up with solutions. What will work? I don't know. All right, but here you got the idea how to do it. You want to set up four plans, four ideas, Sit up, speak to your mother, review it, speak to the teacher, come up with ideas. Mm-hmm, I understand. Very good. Harav Nissim, who do we got next? Thank you so much. You're so you. welcome. We got Shlomi. Shlomi, you're on with Mordechai and Hashem. Okay, hi. So I have boys in my class that they do, you know, but they don't do appropriate stuff. And I did everything I could. I told my father, my principal, but they have friends. People, kids in my class want to be their friends. And I always try to tell them that they shouldn't be their friends in a nice way because not everyone knows. Okay. Well, how can I, I try to... I think I have the power to take them away from being their friend, but I don't even know how to get to them and take them away. Let me ask you, how old are you, Shlaimi? Twelve. Twelve. So you've taken the role to be now the policeman of, the, of these kids in the class. I mean, the policeman as in, their, as in someone that has to save them and protect them. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that might be a little bit heavy for a 12-year-old? Yes. Yeah. Do you think it's a 12-year-old's job to do that? No. What would happen to a 12-year-old if he doesn't have all the skills on how to do it, and he can't help, and then those boys that are doing inappropriate things will find out that you're telling people not to be their friends? Because boys will talk eventually. And now you're going to say that a whole bunch of boys make fun of you, attack you, no, I don't really care to make fun of me because I think I have enough power in my class. Uh-huh. But what happens if you don't? And what happens if these guys will try to turn things over because you're attacking them? They feel attacked. Remember, they're being attacked. Really? What I'd like you to recognize is you need to know what, are, what is a fight for a 12-year-old boy, what is not a fight for a 12-year-old boy. Do you know how many times I need to unfortunately tell people this is something that me as a therapist cannot help unless I have three, four therapists working along with me? Do you know how many times we can have a question and say, sorry, I don't have the answer to that? Many times I have the solution, but me alone is not, or the person's not ready to hear it, or it's not healthy to hear that. It means right now is not the time. Or maybe by giving them information too quick, too fast, might even harm them. Right. Yeah. So we need to learn when it is our job, when it's not our job. But I really have to tell them, it's not going to be so hard. I can easily go over to them and tell them that 
Is it your job? No. So what happens if you get involved in places that are not your job? I might mess up things. Yeah. Or people might resent you, or something worse. It might be something. Imagine this job needs an adult involved, and you're doing the job of an adult, and you won't be able to do the job because you're not an adult. Maybe the Rebbe has to be informed. He is. Now the principal told him. Okay. So now why are you still involved if the principal's taking care of it? Because he can't really... He's trying to do the most he could, but he can't really tell kids that you shouldn't be his friends because then the whole class... Really? Why don't you think a principal can do that? Maybe he could. Of course he can. Remember something. You're 12 years old. Let's assume the principal is 36. How much smarter do you think when you're going to be double your age with double the information at 24? Mm. Do you think you're going to be a lot smarter than you are at 12? Yes. Do you think you'll be double as smart? Maybe. I would say even more, because as you're going to get older, from the 13 to like the 1920, you learn so much more than you've learned in the first 12 years. So let's assume you'll be minimum smart at 24. Now let's assume you'll be 36, triple the smartness that you have now. And as we all know, those that get older, the ages by every 10 years doesn't just double the years. It triples and quadruples. The numbers, it's like compounded interest. The numbers shoot up astronomically. So do you think at 36, you'll, be so, you'll have so many more tools than you can think of right now as 12 years old? Yes, well. Yeah. Now, is your principal, is your Manal older than 36? Yes. Yeah. Now, do you, does he have more than, like, five years' experience as a Manal as a principal? Yes. So let's assume that this Manal has got now three times as much knowledge as you have, lots of years' experience with this problem. Do you think you can trust him and let him do his job a little? I could. Excellent. I think that will be a tremendous old taken. How would you feel if it's not your job to prevent other boys from being involved with these couple of boys? I feel Whatever very good. Doing. My my mouth will take care of it. I feel very good. Uh, uh, not if he takes care of it. It's not your business if he takes care. He just needs to be informed. If he takes care of it or not, it's his duty, it's his job as Manal. And then you can inform the Rebbe or the Manal saying this is still going on. Do you recognize what we're saying here? Yes. What we're saying is, it sounds to me like you like you're the policeman of all the problems going on. That's a very heavy life. Do you recognize that? Yes. How much easier would it be if you can just let go? Huh? It would be easier. Excellent. So, welcome to being a 12-year-old. Mordechai. Yes. Let me just in jump into it. Sure, please. I'd and love you I, to. I would like to put my feedback about it. And it's very nice that you care about your friends and about everything. But even Yosef, a tzaddik, misinterpret his brother behave. And it goes a lot of eight on this. 
So sometimes, especially in the young age, without an experience, stay aside. That's my experience, my experience about it. You understand what I say? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's 9.31. Ah. So in that case, I've got PTA of my son. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife's got my daughter's tomorrow. Yep. So, Shlaimi, thank you for calling in. I want to thank everyone for calling in and for the messages and for all those texts, which are fantastic and phenomenal. We've got huge, huge long ones, and I'm sorry that we were not able to do that. And as we said, try to take the voice questions over the over the text. And to all those of you that are on the phone line waiting all this time, I apologize that we couldn't get to you. And Merit Hashem, we are looking forward to having next week another fantastic program together live in the studio. <laughs> and enjoy a warm week. <laughs> oh, yeah. A warm week and a warm evening. Wow. <laughs> okay. Good night and thank, thank you. Thank you all. Hatzlacha and good night. Be well.